welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. I'm going to change what I preach this morning. I just feel during the time of worship, um, God just wants to do some stuff with us, and I think he wants to do that in the time of worship that we're going to have at the end. So I just feel it's right not to preach everything I've prepared, so you're going to have to bear with me while I decide what's in and what's out. God wants to do some stuff this morning and um, Lord just come come and speak to us Lord come and speak to us about your heart what you would have your people be lead us and guide us this morning we pray in Jesus name Amen Okay. When I spoke uh, about being baptised in the Spirit a few months ago as we started this series on the things of the Spirit, um, one of the things that I said being baptised in the Spirit releases us into is worship. And uh, I just want to come back to that right at the very beginning again and say that being baptised in the Spirit is one of the keys to worshipping God. It is one of the keys. And as we worship, uh, every Sunday we come and we worship for quite a long time. And if you have a small group, you probably worship in your group for quite a long time. If you feel on the outside of that and you feel, why are people getting so excited during the worship? I don't feel like that. Then you need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible tells us we worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay, this isn't Neil saying you should be baptised in the Spirit. The Bible teaches we worship God in spirit and in truth. How does it work? When we come to worship, the Holy Spirit rises up within you and points to Jesus. He always points to Jesus. Always. That is his job. So as we come to worship, the Holy Spirit rises within you And it points to Jesus. And that is what we are made for. You are made to worship God. That is why God created us in the very beginning. If you go right back to the Garden of Eden, when we're in the garden, it says he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And just down Alpha on Monday night, we talked about that, and it came back to me again, what an amazing thing that is, that in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve could actually walk in the garden with God. Start to imagine what that is like. It's mind-blowing. There are moments in our lives when we are perhaps on a walk, and the scenery is beautiful, and the sun is shining, and the birds are singing, and you're with your loved one, and everything is perfect. Take that and multiply it by a thousand times, and that's what it's like when you're with God. Just imagine what it's like. The first time I met Julia, we went out for a walk, and we walked down by the River Thames, and... uh, We'd seen each other a few times, not many, and we kissed under this tree. 
in well-formed tense, Judy will remember this. <laughs> she will never forget that moment. You won't let her. I remember it. But in that moment, it's perfection. In that moment, your heart is singing. My heart was singing. It wouldn't have mattered what was going on in the rest of the world. In that moment, everything is perfect. And that's what God wants when we worship him. He wants that feeling inside each one of us. Because we're built for relationship with God. That is the whole basis of everything we do. Is He wants relationship and intimacy with us. He doesn't want your work. He doesn't want what you can do for him. He's not interested. He wants relationship. Because that's what he had in the Garden of Eden. He had relationship with Adam and Eve. And then sin came in and broke that. And from that point onwards, he's trying to restore that relationship that he had with man. And he wants to restore it in me and you. And as we come to worship, he's about restoring that relationship in our hearts. That's what it's about. It's about intimacy with God. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 says this. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be doing. Okay. Worship is about Jesus. It's for Jesus and it's to Jesus. It's about Jesus, for Jesus and to Jesus. Chris Tomlin, who we sing a lot of Chris Tomlin songs, says this. Worship centres our mind's attention and our heart's affection on the Lord. That's really good. Worship centers our mind's attention and our heart's affection on the Lord. It's not something we do out of obligation, but rather in response to who God is and what He has done. It's a heart response. It's a heart response. It's the heart of love when you realize who God is and what He has done for you. And that's what He wants from us is our heart response to him. So what does the Bible say about worship? Okay, there's tons and tons of verses we can use. I'm just going to use a few to give you a flavour. Psalm 149 verse 4 says, The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In thy presence is fullness of joy, in thy right hand pleasures forevermore. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, the Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people. You may know the chorus that we sing, Jesus, we enthrone you. We proclaim you as king. Standing here in the midst of us, we raise you up with our praise, and as we worship, build your throne. Come, Lord Jesus, and take your place. And that is what we're doing when we worship. Matthew 18, verse 20, a promise from God, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst. 
And John 4, another promise from God, but the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We've already mentioned that. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. Okay, practically, how does it work in this church? Okay, practically, it's like this. That's how we start Sunday morning. Blank piece of paper. Apart from the preacher who has to prepare his word, when we come to worship, we don't have a set routine. We pray and we come and we say, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us this morning. Come and lead us. Come and guide us. That's why Dave is the host. Who is he hosting? He's hosting the Holy Spirit. You don't want me running the meeting. You don't want Dave running the meeting. You don't want Phil running the meeting. We want the Holy Spirit to come and run the meeting and speak to us and touch our hearts and talk to us. That's what we want. It's a blank sheet of paper. So it could be fairly chaotic. But it isn't. Why isn't it? For one very simple reason. If we worship in spirit and in truth, he is spirit. And therefore we are one in spirit. One person has a word, another person has a word. They're the same. How does that work? Because we're one in spirit. It's one and the same spirit that lives in Leslie, that lives in Dave, that lives in all of us. So if God is speaking, he's not going to speak something completely random to you over there and something completely random to you over there. No, because we're one in the spirit. He speaks the same. Amen, though. Hard work. This thing is awful. Can I just say that? This thing is awful. This new headset. Sorry. I know you said it was, but it really is. So it's not chaotic. Not because we're great leaders. Because the Holy Spirit is a great leader. He is the conductor of the orchestra. He asks the violins to come in at the right time. The man on the triangle at the right time. And what happens? It creates a beautiful sound. Not because we're great singers, but because he's in charge. Not me or not anybody else. It's so important to understand. So when we come, generally we will start with praise. And there is a difference between praise and worship. When we start, we generally start with praise songs. Those praise songs will be about Jesus, about God, or for Jesus and for God. Generally speaking. Now the thing about Sunday mornings is, strangely, you will have a terrible Sunday morning before you get to church. How do I know that? Because I speak out of experience. If you have children, they will play up. If you've got dogs, they will poo in the hall. All manner of things will happen on a Sunday morning to stop you worshipping God because the enemy hates us to worship God. So Sunday mornings will be chaotic and difficult and the kids will play out and so on and so forth. That always happens. Because he doesn't want us to come together and worship. 
So you may arrive at church and everyone else is super spiritual and you're feeling completely frazzled. I don't think I can worship. I don't think I'm a Christian anymore because this morning I kicked the cat or kicked the dog and I've shouted at my kids and I'm a terrible parent. When is the next parenting class? Because I need to go on it. And all those thoughts are in our minds and our hearts. And then we say, right, come on, guys, we're going to worship together. And you think, worship? I can't worship. I need to chill out. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's why we do worship songs. Praise songs. Why? Because as we do that, they're about God. They're about Jesus. And they're to let us thaw out. They're to let the Holy Spirit come and warm our hearts again. And they're to let you thaw out and to take, to come and get everything in perspective. And that's what happens. Don't be surprised when Sunday mornings are horrendous. As we move in worship, as we move in praise, generally we would move from praise to worship. So what's the difference? The difference is that as we move into worship, those songs tend to be more intimate. They're personal. They're from you to Jesus. Rather than being about Jesus, they're from you, your heart response to Jesus. And that's when we move into worship. Now, some songs bridge both, and we did one this morning. The last song we did is a praise song, but actually, as you go through it, it turns into a worship song. And that's exactly what happened this morning. We started praising about God, about how mighty he is, about how wonderful he is, and then it changes in the middle, and suddenly you're worshipping from your heart to God. There's a big difference, because it's your heart response. It doesn't matter what the person next to you is doing, it's you. It's your heart response to God. Someone else can't worship for you. It has to be you. I want to just give you an example of what I'm talking about. So, I've done this before, so if, if you were here when I did it before, I apologise, but there are a lot of new people. I can come to Pamela, and I can say to Pamela, Hi Pamela, I'm going to tell you all about Julia. I'm telling her about Julia. Okay? So I'm going to say to you, Pamela, Julia, she is beautiful. She is beautiful beyond words. Her eyes are like doves behind her veil. Her hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Her teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly... I can't even remember writing. <laughs> washed. Freshly washed. Her smile is flawless. Each tooth matched with its twin. Her lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Her mouth is inviting. Her cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind her veil. Her neck is beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. She is altogether beautiful, beautiful in every way. <laughs> Song of Songs. Now that's nice. That's nice, isn't it? I've just told Pamela all about Julia. But what about this? 
I'm going to get brownie points for this. <laughs> I should have done this on the 14th, shouldn't I? Right, this is to Julia. Not about Julia. This is to Julia. Julia. <laughs> you are beautiful. Beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Not that you know what that means. Neither I. Your teeth are white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless. Each tooth matched with its twin. I'm not sure what that's all about, but anyway. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. more but it gets a bit risque <laughs> read the song of songs <laughs> I left that bit out deliberately okay what's the point the point is that we can worship about Jesus and about God and it's almost like that is a head knowledge So what I'm telling Pamela doesn't mean anything to Pamela. It's just knowledge about Julia. But when you say to someone, when you sing it to Julia or you sing it to God, it's a heart response from you directly to God. And that is true worship. That is where we want to go. Because you are singing from your heart. You are worshipping from your heart to him directly. And that's what he wants from you. That's what he wants from you. I just want to read a quote from Bill Johnson, which sums this up. He's talking about actually when he first got saved. And he never realised what true worship was. And it says this. It quickly became apparent to me that this call to worship was not about music, instruments, choirs or worship teams. Neither is it about singing or warming up people for the sermon. In this ministry to God, as far as the role of music is concerned, not even the great songs written about God were appropriate. To suit this ministry, I needed songs I could sing to him. It was all about ministering directly to the Lord in his actual presence. The Lord responded quickly to my lifestyle of abandonment to his presence by confirming through unfolding revelation that this was indeed the purpose for which he had made and redeemed me. Scripture is saturated with the theme that we are made for relationship. This allows us to know by experience the supernatural God God who created us. 
And it soon became evident to me that the encounters that God had with his people in the Bible were not reserved only for those of that era. Encounters of that magnitude actually started to look possible, even probable, again. While I never thought I qualified for anything extraordinary, I knew that he loved me, and I in turn was increasingly hungry for him. And that's what it's about. It's about us singing, worshipping to God directly. This comes out of relationship with God. I can't say those things about Julia, or I couldn't have done, but I can now because I'm in relationship with her. You know, the Bible says, my people know my, hear my voice, and they know my voice. And they respond to my voice. The thing is, when you start going out with someone, I don't know if you're like me, but I had, when I started going out with Julia, I had no idea what she was thinking. And maybe that's a man thing, but I had no idea what she was thinking. Now, I do. And the interesting thing is, she doesn't even have to say anything now. One look is enough. Why is that? Well, it's because there's 20 years of relationship there. 20 years of being with someone and knowing what they mean when they speak. Knowing what that look means. That look that says you're in trouble. Do you know it? We all know it. If you're in a relationship, we know the difference. And that's what it's like with God. When we start off and we're a young Christian, it's difficult to hear the voice of God. And he says, just trust me, just walk with me, get to know me. As you get to know me, you will hear my voice. You will know my voice. And it takes us time. It takes us time just as it takes us time in an earthly relationship. But as we grow, we know his voice. We can hear him speaking to us. One word is enough. This is such a good book. If you, if you haven't read this, can I recommend it? Terry Virgo, The Spiritful Church, absolutely superb. Just read it last night again and uh, so good. I want to just read this to you. A time of worship is a fresh opportunity to get to know God. We can grow in faith as we declare glorious things about him and to him. Often there will be a breaking free from sin as we touch his holiness and experience his love, melting our hearts afresh. Truth sets us free. And truth sung with faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit can have a mighty liberating effect on us. Many praise God in a limited way because they have never spent time getting to know him or what he has done. Their thinking has been man-centred rather than God-centred. How can I be fulfilled, get my hearts healed, have a successful marriage? Even our worship can be self-centred. I like quiet songs, for example. Or I prefer up-tempo celebration songs. Worshippers must be preoccupied with the object of their worship. Hallelujah. Some people foolishly say, I don't want to know more about God, I just want to know God more. But the more I know about person, the more I can actually know that person. 
the more I know about his character, his accomplishments, the more I'm qualified to praise him. So let's expand our knowledge of God. After theology lectures at London Bible College, I just wanted to sit and worship or stand and shout praise. God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, not in temperament and preference. I think that's quite important. God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, not in temperament and preference. You see, there is a line of thinking that says, um, before I got saved, I was an introvert, and therefore now I'm a Christian, I'm going to be an introvert in my praise. So I will naturally like quiet songs. Or, uh, before I became a Christian, I was an extrovert. Therefore, when I get saved, I'm going to like loud songs and extrovert songs. But that's not right. God says when you are saved, you are a new creation. You are changed. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert before. It doesn't mean you're going to be an introvert afterwards. God's Holy Spirit comes and works in in us in different ways. When we were at our old church, we had um, a guy called Chris who was in the Navy and used to swear, oh my goodness... Every sentence had a swear word in it. And uh, he was a real rough diamond. Anyway, he got saved. Tremendous testimony of how God saved him. And uh, as we began to move in the things of the Spirit in the church, he would say, um, I'm not going to get baptised in the Spirit because I know that if I get baptised in the Spirit, I'm going to be dancing on the tables and I want to be in control of everything. And we, being super spiritual guys, said to him, Chris, that's not right. You know, God meets us in the quiet moments. You could receive the Spirit in your bedroom by yourself, and, uh, and so forth. Anyway, he got to the point where he was so desperate to be baptised in the Spirit, in the middle of the meeting, he cried out to be baptised in the Spirit. God's presence came on him, and he was dancing on the pews, never mind about the tables. And... You know, God meets us in unexpected ways. There is no right or wrong. There is no no reason because of who you are that God is going to meet you in a particular way. It's not like that. God's Spirit comes to us. I was standing there this morning thinking to myself, I've got my word going through my mind. I'll just let the other guys pray and sing and, and do it. And just as we sang that song, the love of God overwhelmed me. It just came on me and I just had to pray out. Unexpectedly. It wasn't planned. It wasn't, I'm going to pray in a minute. It wasn't like that. It was just in the moment. I just felt, God, you've saved me. And, and you've brought me here and I'm here today. It is amazing that I should know the living God. And sometimes, you know, we just need God to come on us in the moment and reveal to us and renew that truth within our hearts. And it's not by anything but by the Holy Spirit. He comes on you and he just reveals truth to you in the moment. And he says, do you know how much I love you, Neil? Do you know? I'm going to show you now. Boom. You know, if you haven't experienced that, ask God for it. Pray it. I need to know. How much do you love me? 
God loves prayers like that. We don't pray them very often. But he loves prayers like that. Come Holy Spirit and reveal truth. Because that's what it's about. Truth. We worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not feelings. It's not spirit and feelings. It's spirit and truth. As he reveals truth to you, there is only one thing you can do, and that is worship. Or pray and thank God for what he's done. God's presence is so key in our lives because it changes everything. It brings joy in your presence. There is fullness of joy. You're feeling sad this morning? You need God's presence because it brings joy in the moment. It brings strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It brings perspective. And for us that's really important because we spend our lives getting everything out of perspective. And things become huge in our lives. And we think, I cannot get over this. And as we come into God's presence, somehow he changes our perspective. When we see things in the right way, we see how big God is and how small this thing is, whereas before this thing was huge and God is far away. There's an old chorus we used to sing, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of what? His glory and grace. Hallelujah. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. It brings truth. We worship in spirit and in truth. It reveals God's heart to us. What is God's heart? It is love. It is grace. It is faithfulness. It is mercy. New every morning. That's the kind of God you have. It brings peace. It brings peace to our troubled souls. My peace, I leave with you. It says in John 14, speaking of the Holy Spirit. It brings intimacy and closeness to God that nothing else can bring. There's a song that we sing a lot and it says, there's a line in it about, about God making our soul well. And in worship, he makes your soul well. Don't ask me to explain that, because I can't. But that's what he does. It is well with my soul. That's what worship does. It makes your soul well. It brings restoration. He restores my soul. It brings power. Worship in God's presence. It brings power to us. This is the lifeblood of the church. It transforms us from earth to heaven. Which is what um, Phil was saying earlier in the prayer meeting, I think it was. It takes us from earthly to heavenly. I'm just going to do another quote from Terry's book. Such a good book, this, I tell you. He's talking about worship. And he says this. Having said, he's talking about worship songs, and he says that, having, having said that about worship songs, which is that he longs to sing worship songs 
that are to Jesus and about truth. He says, having said that, we are ultimately not satisfied with objectivity, but crave encounter. In the end, the heart longs not for any of God's goods. Hold on, let's start again. In the end, the heart longs not for any of God's good gifts, but for God himself. To see him and to know him and be in his presence is the soul's final feast. Beyond this, there is no quest. Words fail. We call it pleasure, joy, delight. But these are weak pointers to the unspeakable experience of God's presence. We must not worry that this kind of worship is not seeker-friendly. I have non-Christian friends who have come to our Sunday morning worship and said to me, we just cried. What did we just touch? What was that? This question came from a successful businessman of many years standing, a tough man of the world. When we worship, we want the unsaved to feel the impact and know that God is there. Hallelujah. Lord, we long to worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, teach us. Teach us to worship you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, right now, as we seek to worship Ali and the team, if you could come back. Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, as we worship you, I just pray you would come, you would touch us, you would speak to us, that we would know your presence, know your heart. There will be time at the end. If you're not baptised in the Spirit, we would love to pray for you, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to experience God's love and God's Spirit in a new way. It's just as we come to worship, let's see what God's going to do. I think Phil's got some words that he wants to bring during the worship. So let's just come worship again and see what God says. Amen.